paranoid people when you're tempted to label in some way. That answer that Paul gives us to cut all of that kind of thinking off is the message of the cross. It's a cross. And the message of the cross Of you deserve this. 
Treat yourself. You gotta remember there's not enough to go around. So if you gotta kick some people out of your way, so be it. They shouldn't know better than to get in your way. Hey, I turned the cheek once. They had their chance. If you don't take care of yourself, no one will. I feel that way sometimes. That kind of thinking will seep in. So let me talk about safety, comfort, and pleasure. First, I'll just say, being a Christian doesn't mean that you don't like these things. It doesn't make you a killjoy or a masochist who goes looking for suffering and just embraces suffering for the sake of suffering. What it means to be a disciple of Jesus is that you cling to him first. You choose him first, above safety, above comfort, above pleasure. We like to be comfortable. But when it comes to it, and you have a choice between being with Jesus and what you understand to be your safety net, what are you going to choose? We don't always get it right, do we? We don't always make the hard choice. But the word of the cross continues to challenge us. It is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligence I will frustrate. So I was thinking, what is the wisdom and the intelligence of the world? It tends to be measured in terms of, I need to get more, I need to obtain more, I need to do more, I need to have more, I need to enjoy more, I need better experiences, I need better... It's always building towards something. It's never just enough. You gotta get your fair share, so hustle to it, people. If someone gets in your way, hey, they should have known better. You gotta fight for your fair share.
Death that is, in a sense, the great equalizer. So the wisdom of this world is, you better get your fair share while you can. But to those who accept the message of the cross, or those who accept the word of the cross, when I give up my own wants and desires, when I choose Jesus Christ before all other things, it's in that moment that I begin to see the power of God at work. A power that I could not imagine existed before I stepped into the reality. The thought of giving up my own rights, my own desires, uh, my own ideas of what I think I deserve, it's highly, it's highly offensive to us. But when you actually live that reality, when the reality comes in and it strips away your hopes and dreams and your desires, the 
existential questions of life. Some people would think it's a joker like me. Some people would think, well, it's obviously the guys with all the credentials at the U of O or wherever. They're the ones that have the real answers. They have the real truth. All you're offering is this floppy faith thing. Maybe it's the people who know law, the people who have intelligence. Maybe it's the ones who know the philosophical arguments. Surely they have the answers to life. Why are you here? Why do you exist at all? What's important? Who's a good person? See, the word of the cross, it cuts through the smoke screens. The word of the cross cuts through confusion. It cuts through the gray areas the diversity of opinions, and it comes to us, and it's offensive to us, because the word of the cross forces us to choose. The word of the cross forces us to choose. It forces a decision. We come to the cross of Christ, and at some point, you have to make that decision, and you have to make it over and over again. Are you in, or are you out? Is it going to be Jesus first? Or, yes, Jesus some, but... Da, 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 da. The word of the cross keeps forcing us to a point of decision. It keeps challenging us issues of divisiveness and issues of allegiance. See, the cross will always call people back from that place of double-mindedness and lukewarmness, half-heartedness. What are you going to do about Jesus? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. See, the wisdom of God forces us to make a choice, and we don't get all the facts, we don't have all the answers. You can walk down the path to a certain point to find knowledge, to find wisdom, to find answers. But at some point, it's going to take faith. It's going to take a choice to believe. It's going to take a choice to trust. See, God is not obvious, is he? The circumstances around us typically won't lend themselves to, well, clearly there is a God. It's beyond all doubt. It's irrefutable, an unrefutable fact that there is a God. See, by God is not obvious, and by means of human wisdom and intellect alone, a 
lot of people miss out on knowing God altogether. They choose not to know Him. It's not because Christians are smarter than everyone else, or the preaching is so much better, the foolishness of what is preached. I've preached foolish things, things that I see in part, things that I know by faith, things that I hope, things that I trust. And our preaching is not so much better necessarily than the stories of the world, or the ideas in art and poetry, uh, the ideas of advertising, the ideas in propaganda. There's foolishness all over the place. What makes any of this better? Well, that's Paul's point exactly. No matter what kind of eloquence I would have, no matter how much wisdom, whatever, any person, any human, no matter the chest thumping that you do, the vibrato in your voice, the certainty which you are portraying, this is the way it is. Give me the fireworks, and then I will give you my faith. 
curiosity, all kinds of ideas being shared. And yet in the end, Paul says, there's ignorance of God. Their wisdom led to all kinds of busyness, but that wisdom had produced little fruit. So both of these groups, which is basically everyone, you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. You're not a Gentile, you're a Jew. Both of these groups, both Jews and Gentiles, in essence, they're saying, prove yourself to be God. Prove yourself to be God. And then maybe, maybe if I will give you my affection. Prove yourself, and then I'll give you my love. Prove yourself, and then I'll have Thank you. 
wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. It's good to be reminded of this sometimes. No matter the pretense that we make, God will do what God chooses and the means that God chooses to employ are the only means that matter. And the answer that he gives to us is a crucified Savior. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Paul knew this city of Corinth. He knew the situation there. He knew the makeup and the demographics of the church, the society that he lived in. And in terms of human credentials, intelligence, political clout, uh, uh, you would say Corinth was not, uh, that they were, they didn't have blue bloods there, but they had the new money maybe was in Corinth, where the merchants, the traders were there. And it wasn't because they were better than everyone else or smarter than everyone else or had all the right answers, but it was only in the end because of God's choice. God's choice. It's the same message for us today. It isn't because we do everything right or believe everything right or have better things, better ideas. The only differentiator between us else in this world is whether or not in the end you are going to cling to Jesus Christ or not. Are you going to hold on to Jesus Christ above all other things? Or are you going to let him go? See, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despising things, and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. The God who gives up divinity to become human, they would hear that and they would say, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. A God who comes as a little baby in a manger to the fanfare of sheep or goats or smells that you don't like. What kind of story is this? A rabbi who chooses fishermen, a tax collector to be his disciples? Foolish. Why would you do that? A king who instead of coming with his armies and chariots and alone, sitting on a little donkey. A savior who doesn't save himself. A God who allows himself to be tortured, to suffer, to be killed. And maybe most offensive of all is that Jesus expects us to do certain God expects certain things of you. 
expects you to become like Christ, to become like Jesus. How dare you? See, this is not, these are not, this is not a new offense that I'm talking about. The offense of the cross, of the word of the cross, it has been happening for thousands of years now. He saved others, they said, but he cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. Prove yourself to be God. It is because of him, God, God's choice, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Some days we're going to fail, we're going to let go completely. But that word of the cross continues to speak. What are you going to do with me, friend? And as you try and you struggle and in your tears and in your grief and in your pain and whatever else you have in this life, whatever crosses you're faced with, when you cling to Jesus, Suddenly, this becomes the most precious thing to you. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. This is Paul quoting from Jeremiah now in verse 31, from Jeremiah chapter 9. This 
is what the Lord says. That let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord, who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Are you going to trust this or not? Let me say one more word about stumbling blocks, and then we'll be, we'll be done from verse 23. Christ crucified a stumbling block. Another way you can translate stumbling block is testing stone. A testing stone. What is a testing stone? It's a place where you go to make a decision. A testing stone is a proving ground for determining what you're made of. Jesus Christ is our testing ground, our training ground to prove what you're made of. It's a place or circumstances that prove your character. The circumstances that reveal what is really in your heart. That's your proving ground. That's a testing stone. See, the message of the cross, it is the fork in the road where you can't go both ways anymore. Are you going to cling to Jesus or are you going to let him go and choose my own way because I know best? You know, you got to, you, you've come to a fork in the road. That cross is right there in the fork of the road of your life and your circumstances.
because his word offends us. The word of the cross is offensive to us. But it is the testing stone, it is the proving ground, and it will reveal your character, it will show you what's in your heart. Are you going to cling to Christ? Jesus reveals hearts all the time. That's why they killed him. That's why we run from him. He shows us things about our own hearts that we don't like, we don't know what to do with. But the message of the cross isn't just pain and suffering. The message of the cross is also, I will choose you, Jesus, no matter what. The cross forces us into that place of decision. And when we live that reality, we begin to experience the power of it. That's the hope that we have. That's the message from God. That's the answer for us. A crucified Savior. What are you going to do with Jesus, friend? If you have needs for baptism or would like to have the prayers of this church. Um, I'll be up here and you can come and share those with me uh, while we stand and say.